Hey, what's up, dude? What up? I got a good title for this episode. What is it? I think you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's fitting. Yeah. Um, So I'll do a quick intro real fast, and then we'll just get into it. We're just going to talk about a bunch of shit until we decide that we don't want to talk to each other anymore. (laughs) All right. Welcome back to the Ryan Murray podcast. This is going to be episode number 12. The title of today's episode is going to be The Hematoma. I am uh, joined by Mike Wilson, one of my good buddies from Arizona. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to join me. Yeah, thanks for having me. What's, uh, what's Jenny up to? What are the kids up to? Uh, she's just cleaning the house and keeping the kids under control. Yeah. There's like no quiet place in this in this house that echoes everywhere so i'm like in a closet right now nice i'm like you got to stay out of this room stay downstairs i don't want to <laughs> hear you <laughs> that's funny what uh how long has it been now we i don't even remember what year it was that we met but i know we met working at discount tire back in phoenix do you ha- do you remember like when it was yeah so i do remember um i got transferred to your store in 2009 it would have been summer of 2009. Okay. And that's, that's when we, we first met. So. Was that 31? Was that with Phil Hernandez? It was. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was the glory store, dude. Like so many, so many quality employees came out of that location. I think it has a lot to say about Phil and his ability to manage people. Yeah. And, and he's just as good as he was then as he is now. I mean, he's, he's I think he's running like uh, AZP 29. Yeah. He's got yeah. a really busy store. So yeah, I think he's, well. I think he's, uh, I think it, you could argue that he's even better now than he was back then as well. I mean, just like anybody, right. Yeah. The more time you do something, the better you get at it. Yeah. Yeah. He's one, definitely a manager that I learned a lot from and I'm, I'm thankful that I got a chance to work with him. Yeah. Same here. hundred percent. Um, so you're the, uh, you're the founder, the owner, the CEO, the CFO, the creator of Deck One Designs. Talk to everybody about what that is. Yeah, so I am. Uh, Deck One Designs is a custom wood and metal furniture company. Uh, I started it in 2018, uh, following a pretty bad injury that kind of led into kind of led into what what Deck One Designs is today. And and the title of my company is kind of symbolic to how it got started. So I'll kind of elaborate on that a little bit for those that don't know. Um, I had an injury to my left hand back in 2015. We'd bought a brand new house and I was in the middle of renovations. Actually, it was at the end of the renovations and ended up uh, severing two fingers off my left hand and got rushed to the emergency room. And they were able to save the fingers, reattach them and everything. They don't work very well, but they're, they're there. Yeah. But, uh, afterwards it was it was pretty difficult to like hear the sound of of power tools and and like be around them i didn't think i'd ever really kind of get over the injury so what what ended up happening was i kind of just forced myself to like like do like more activities with like power tools like saws sanders and stuff like that just to kind of like get over my ptsd of of the accident Sort of like and, if you uh, fall off a horse, get back on as fast as you can. Yeah. And, and I think if I wouldn't have, I probably would still be a, like, I'd still be uh, like feeling the effects of the PTSD to this day. I mean, every now and again, I get a, like a flashback that 
and like, oh gosh, that, you know, it's just that feeling that you get inside when, when something kind of like, just like scares you. Yeah. But, uh, it's been great at the same time, you know, my wife, Jennifer, she was watching a lot of the fixer upper shows and she's getting real amped about, you know, the things we're going to do to our house. And, you know, we we didn't want to sink a whole bunch more money into the house. So she's like, well, you could probably do that, or you could probably do this. So I started doing those things. And as I started practicing and, and posting things on social media, people started like commenting like, Hey, that's, that's great. You know, could you make one for me or what would you charge to do that for my house? And it, that's when kind of deck one designs was born. I started doing it more. And, you know, as you practice with certain things, you, know, you get better and better. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a student, I'm a, student of my craft i'm always watching youtube videos on how to be better how to do things better try different avenues of of you know building furniture i mean that's literally what i do all day yeah if i'm not working i'm researching i'm reading books i'm reading articles so yeah i think um, i remember when you when you first got started in this i think the the moment that i realized that you were taking it more serious than just doing it as like a hobby is when i want to say you posted a video on your instagram page and you were talking about the different types of wood and it was at that moment where i was like okay this isn't just him like slapping together some cool little projects for his wife at his house or for him and his kids like this dude's really like learning about this stuff and, you know, different types of wood that are out there, why one is better for a certain type of piece than another piece of wood and the different types of grains. And, um, I think that's, like I said, that's when I realized that you were taking this more serious and I was like, man, that's pretty cool dude, that he's, he's really diving into it and, and not just, um, half-assing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, comp- I totally remember that video too. Um, cause that was kind of like my first real, like instructional piece on getting to know like the materials you're working with before you, you know, just go and start purchasing stuff, you know, because yeah. a lot of people go to Home Depot and they buy that, you know, two by four lumber and it's okay to get started with that, but that is not building grade lumber for furniture. That's like, that's what you frame a house with. Yeah. So knowing what materials are, are designed to, to, to make certain things. I mean, it's huge. I mean, that's like the foundation of getting started. Yeah. And I, I, uh, the most recent video that I watched with, um, with Jen helping you like cut some wood and stuff in your garage. I mean, your, your garage is no longer a garage in a house. That's a full on shop. Like just the, the pieces that you've been able to acquire over the last handful of years. I mean, you legitimately have a woodworking shop in your house. It's pretty awesome. It is, it is. And you know, I think I've finally reached the point where I've kind of grown out of the space. Like I'm starting to spill out into the driveway now when I make stuff. You know, anything over eight feet tall, it's, it's a challenge to get in and out. Yeah. You know, it's like, so a lot of it stages in my dining room and, (laughs) you know, right now, right now we don't have anything in that room. It's not a room we use. So it's just like, it's just vacant. So when I'm working on projects, I'll start bringing pieces into the dining room to stage, you know, that are complete and then kind of, you know, get those ready for, you know, either uh, delivery or installation. Yeah. Have you guys, um, have you guys looked into getting like a warehouse or like an additional space or building a shop, like maybe in the backyard or something? Yeah, I have, I've explored all, a lot of those avenues, uh, the backyard. I just don't have the space and the HOA, you know, HOAs are everywhere. They, yeah. they restrict so much. So yeah, I want to stay kind of close to home. I know it's like, I want my cake and eat it too, but yeah. it's about 32 bucks a square foot. 
out in surprise right now. So, oh my gosh. You know, to get to get like two or three thousand square feet, I mean that's that's a big commitment. So yeah. And uh, th that's what they're asking for like the lease per month. Right. So you're talking a few grand every single month that you have to put into that. Yeah. Dang, and man. at this point in my career, you know, it's like, do I suffer where I'm at and hire some help or do I move into a bigger space and, you know, have to work twice as hard to, to just make my rent? Yeah. I think, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards kind of just making it work where I'm at and, and hiring out help. Yeah. What, um, have you guys had any conversations about maybe just turning this into like a full-time business and, you know, quitting your day job and just investing all your time and energy into this instead? Yeah. You know, we have talked about that. Um, that is something that, you know, we're, we're considering, um, we're looking at, you know, small business loans right now. Uh, we've got, we just, and it's funny how this worked out, but, uh, one of our former neighbors lived across the street for about a year. Uh, we never really talked like we'd see each other out front. We wave and that's about it. Well, about a week before he was moving, his wife came out and was talking to my wife. And she's like, you know, I see your husband outside making all kinds of furniture and tables and stuff. Um, you know, does he have a business card? Because we're moving to a, a community that's not far from where we're at now. And we're going to be needing, you know, some renovation stuff to, to kind of customize our home a little more. So she gave her a card, wrote my number on it. And like a month later, uh, I get a call from her. And she's wanting, you know, as, as people do, they want to, they want to outfit every house, every room in the house with something custom, you know? Yeah. So I ended up doing about three or four jobs with them and, and they, they spent a lot of money with me and come to find out her husband's in marketing. Nice. Yeah. So he does like basically like take small businesses uh, and runs like Google ads, Instagram, Facebook ads, and drives traffic to uh, websites that they create for these businesses. And he kind of wrote up a business plan for me, which is, is really cool because I, I have a direction now. Like before, it was just like posted on social media. If I get inquiries, I get inquiries. And it's been good. You know, it's been steady, but not to the level that I want to be. Yeah. So he basically is, he's, he's wanting to be an investor now in, in Dequan Designs. And, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, you know, being obligated to another person having a say in, in how the company runs. But um, I think we're looking at the, the loan aspect just to pay for some of the marketing. And then once we get established in that and we start generating, you know, 10 to 20 leads a day, you know, if I'm writing 10 to 20 quotes a day, that should pay for a lot of the marketing that I'm paying out. So it should yeah. kind of like start paying for itself over time. I mean, that's exciting. I'm excited for, for what you've been able to accomplish with deck one designs to this point. And I, I'm glad to see that it's at a point where you're starting to run out of space and you're, you're um, having to make some decisions on the direction that you want to take the business. I think that's a natural progression. And, and honestly, I feel like what you have done um, to this point has helped you guys not get overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Like you've been able to just kind of go real slow at it and figure out what you really want to do. Cause you know how sometimes this goes, like people start doing something as a hobby and they're like, Oh, I'll make a business out of it. But then like six months in, they're like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this much work, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think it's exciting for you guys that, that you're at a point where you have that option. You could either just take this big um, or you can kind of just continue to do what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned being overwhelmed. I mean, that can happen so, so easy. 
um, you know, when you first get started, when I first got started, it was, I, I didn't really turn a lot of jobs down and I was doing everything from like custom built-ins to, you know, shelving to cabinets. I, I didn't really have a niche, you know, and it took, it took being overwhelmed to figure out, okay, I can't, I can't do everything, but yeah. I can do, you know, A, B and C and, and do those great. So I kind of narrowed down like my scope of what I actually put, put out now. And it, it, it has alleviated so much stress, you know, cause you know, every time you do a new project, you know, you've got tools in your shop and the tools are typically set up, ready to go for certain tasks you're going to do. And every time you have to tear it down and reset it up, I mean, that's, that's time, yeah. time you're wasting. So I figured narrowing down my niche allowed me to keep tools set up longer. I could, I could do a lot of repeat, you know, methods in, in the shop that, you know, help with production. So, yeah. So what are the, what, what is your primary niche right now? Like, what is it? Do you only focus on um, custom furniture pieces now? Do you do any of the interior remodeling? I mean, I know, <laughs> I know you're constantly remodeling your own house. It seems like every week, Jen. Jen has another project that she wants <laughs> to start working on, but what, what is it for everybody that's listening that you guys do focus on? So we focus mainly on uh, dining tables, uh, custom barn doors. Uh, we do entertainment uh, consoles, like uh, the barn door consoles. We do uh, media centers, okay. built-in media centers. So we do some of the built-in stuff, um, but we kind of like, stay within those lanes you know there sometimes we'll get some sh like small floating shelves we can take those jobs on but you know uh, like knocking walls down and and running electrical and that kind of stuff that's kind of outside my lane yeah um, i could do it it just it's a lot of a lot of time consuming work yeah and you know i'm not i'm not a contractor so you know if something goes wrong i'm on the hook for it so we try to just stay within in those boundaries and, and things are things have been good you know everything's that we work on is, is, you know, they're trending, they're trending on Pinterest and, and all the social medias you see. So uh, inquiries have been good, but uh, yeah, we are definitely renovating our house a ton. And I yeah. was actually doing that right before I got on this call with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> What does she have you working on now? And I say that, I say that with nothing but love for Jen, because I know she's going to listen to this and I oh, don't yeah. want it to sound like I'm trying to like <laughs> make her out to be this evil villain, but it cracks me up because generally, and correct me if I'm wrong, she has an idea and you're the one that builds it. Yes, you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'll be the, I'll be the bad guy on this one because she, so the other day, let me paint this picture for you. I love her to death, but she is a difficult boss to work for. <laughs> so we were talking about, so right now we're doing a custom desk built in for my son uh, who just turned nine and he wants a place to set up his gaming computer and, and play his, his games and, and have places for, he's got, this kid has Lego, I mean, by the thousands and he has nowhere to put the stuff. So he builds it and it just sits like out. All over it's his just room. a mess. So we have, I have like everywhere, everywhere. So one wall we've got, you know, base cabinets on the ground. Uh, we have a bench underneath the window and we've got three huge bookshelves uh, that span about 75 inches. And there's about six, six shelves per, per bank. And there's three banks. Those were all hit where all his uh, Legos and stuff will go. And I was screwing in the base cabinets. Well, she, we were supposed to try to have this done by his birthday, which was the 23rd of this month. 
I knew it wasn't going to happen, but <laughs> I got as far as I could. So yesterday we were talking and she's like, you just need to work faster. <laughs> You're working too slow. I'm like, what do you mean I'm working? I'm not working fast enough. Uh, and I got, I got to the point where I was like, you know, you build it because I'm not doing it good. I'm not doing it fast enough, but she, she's tough. She's tough to work for, but she keeps me in line in the fact that I got to have uh, goals when it comes to where I want to be for the day. You know, what do I want to accomplish today? I want to yeah. get X, Y, and, and Z done. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm very bad with that. Are you really? Yeah. She, if I didn't have her, jobs would take three times as long. Well, I mean, I guess it's good that she cracks the whip, but maybe she just needs to start cracking it. Not as hard. Yeah. Well, I, maybe I'm just too sensitive. I don't oh, know. Well. That, that could be it too. You know? Yeah. So I, I could see that. I mean, given the name of the title of this episode and the story that's going to come with that later, I can see your sensitivity coming out a little bit. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, funny. Happy belated brother or happy belated birthday to your son too, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And also for everybody that's listening, you can tell when somebody builds custom furniture, when they start referring to things as 75 inches instead of like six feet. <laughs> Touche on that. That's funny. I got my, I got my two thirds bit in my quarter inch saw. Yeah. It's 167 millimeters. Yeah. <laughs> I got to cut that corner so, in at 45 degrees in order for it to match up, make a perfect corner. <laughs> Well, so before we go any further, um, you know, we've talked a little bit, but I'm kind of curious. I, I know a little bit of your history and I know a little bit of your background, but um, tell everybody that's listening, like, where did, where were you born? Where do you come from? Um, you know, like what kind of childhood did you have growing up? Stuff like that. So I'm a native to Arizona. I was born and raised in uh, Glendale. I uh, went to high school, Deer Valley High School, graduated 2001. Um, I had a pretty, pretty good childhood, man. Uh, you know, my dad was law enforcement for uh, the Arizona Department of Public Safety for about 32 years. Um, and he was tough. He was a tough guy to, to, to live with, you know, when I was growing up because he's very demanding. And he always expected me to be, you know, better than everybody else. And looking back, I'm glad he was that way because, I mean, I think that kind of established my core values on, on how I look at things and especially being a parent, you know, there's so many things to worry about with with your kids um raising them to be better than you yeah is is the ultimate goal and that's what i'm trying to do with my son but i didn't realize that you know growing up what kid does you know that there's like dad's yeah, really hard on me always you know i always tried to impress him and he was he was a tough guy to impress you know because he was never my buddy he was always my dad and that was, I think that was the, the line that he drew in the sand. And, and my mom was the opposite. She was more like my buddy. You know, I could, I could kind of confide in her a little bit more, but she was never the disciplinary. Yeah. So it was, it was tough. You know, he ended up being the bad guy a lot of the times. And, you know, when I do something wrong or, you know, break the rules and it, it was tough, it was tough. You know, the, unfortunately, you know, after I moved out, they ended up getting divorced, but it, you know, it happens, you know, so I wouldn't change my childhood, the, you know, the way it was, you know, I, I get to play a lot of cool sports that, you know, I played hockey probably pretty much up till my, my hand injury. And that was something that, you know, my dad was passionate about. And 
and it's uh, something that I didn't know I was passionate about until I started playing. So, yeah, and great. I think I think kind of going back to what you were saying about as far as your dad separating, like creating a line in the sand about like I'm going to be your dad and I'm not going to be your buddy. One coming from somebody that doesn't have children, I totally understand this might be like a controversial statement that I'm about to say, but I feel like there's a lot of that that is missing in the world today. And I feel like there's too many parents nowadays that that want to be more of a friend to their child and less of a parent. Um, and now that you have your own children, do you see why your dad did what he did? Like, do you have a better understanding of where he was coming from as far as like, look, my job, because it sounds like, you know, he was the type of parent that was like, my job is to raise you as a kid and raise you to be like a productive person in society. I'm not sitting here trying to make you like me all day long. Exactly. You know, and I couldn't agree more. That's exactly it. You know, you, your job as a parent is to raise that child to become successful and not make mistakes and, you know, end up going the wrong direction or hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, to know right from wrong. And with society being the way it is nowadays, it's, it's even harder now than it was, you know, when we were younger. So I can't I even imagine parents now have it much, much harder to, to raise your kid, you know, and with so many influences they have in their life, you know, with social media, uh, websites, yeah, just school, schools are, I mean, it's tough to find a school that, that instills values that you believe in. It's not the same as when we were in school. So. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. I, I agree with you about that. The influence, the outside influence that is coming into kids, um, world nowadays is dramatically different, man. Like when we were kids, dude, like the only influence that we had was our mom and our dad, maybe a couple teachers at school. If, if you cared about what that teacher's opinion was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then exactly. like a couple of core friends, but back, like when we were kids, if your parents didn't like your friends, you sure shit weren't hanging out with those kids anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know my mom, I, I talked about this on another episode, but my mom was like, I got to meet their parents first. And if I don't like their parents, you're not hanging out with them. hundred percent. That's exactly how my dad was. But nowadays, you know? dude, like you, I mean, I, I made a statement about like parents not wanting to be a parent, but to be fair, like you said, I feel like it is extremely difficult because you can do everything right as a parent inside your house. But the, the, the stuff that these kids have access to nowadays with the internet and social media apps and cell phones and, and TV. I mean, for crying out loud, the news, like every freaking news station, the top five stories are about somebody getting murdered or robbed or raped or whatever. And it's like, could we just have some like sunshine, sunshine and rainbows every once in a while? <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. I, it's, it's disheartening to, to watch any kind of news anymore, you know, but it's like you almost need that to kind of inspire you to be better as a parent, you know, to see what's happening in the world. You use that as ammunition to, okay, I'm not, I'm going to do whatever I can do to make sure that does not happen to my kid or my kid doesn't do that. So it's tough. It's tough. There's, there's times where you feel like a failure as a parent, you know, when, when your son or daughter messes up or gets in trouble at school and you're like, God, I, I didn't raise you to be like this. Why, why is this happening? I failed. I, what did I miss? But it's just part of being a parent. You know, there's no guidebook. Yeah. So. And I think I, I heard a lot of people say this throughout my career at, at discount tire. Um, a lot of guys that I worked with and you included had children and you maybe kind of like, I think you and Jenna just had your first child. Like when we, when we met, but 
a lot of guys kept telling me like having a kid made them learn a different level of patience than they ever had in their life before. And I think for me, not having children, I look back on my career and, and if I'd have had kids, maybe I would have handled situations at work differently because I always had that thought, like with a coworker, it was always like, no, man, like we didn't train you to do it that way. Like we trained you to do it better. And, and we taught you how to do it better. Like, why are you screwing up and why are you messing up? And for me, it was always this point of contention. And I was always so frustrated because I was like, you gotta be kidding. We've talked about this 17,000 times and you're still screwing it up. And I feel like if I'd have had children at any point in my career, especially later in my career, um, I probably would have had a whole different perspective and a whole different, um, emotional reaction in those situations. Because like you said, when you have your kids and you, you raise your kids a certain way, but then they still make a mistake, like they're bound to do, you kind of have to be able to take a step back and say like, ah, oh, shit, man, like, I can't, I can't be with them holding their hand every single second of the day. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you're right. It, you know, it does put you in a different mindset having kids, you know, it, it, it forced you to, to mature in ways that you didn't think you needed to mature. Patience being one, I mean, it's huge because mistakes are going to happen. And, you know, you learn that if you get upset every time they make a mistake, your life is going to be really, really hard and you're going to be stressed out a lot, but you just, you could, you don't, I don't want to use the word compartmentalize it, but you, you kind of learn how to channel that anger into direction yeah this is i know you did this wrong this is how we do it right and it gives you that that patience to coach to your your i guess uh your teachings better and and i you know i use this at work you know at at my day job so it's you know i'm probably one of the senior guys when i see senior and senior is an age um there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of you know mid-20s people that I work with and their outlook on things is a lot different than mine. And I have to be able to coach to everybody's learning abilities. So yeah, it's difficult. And I think I would struggle more if I wasn't, you know, a parent. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the phrases I heard a lot throughout my career was pick your battles, like learn how to pick your battles. And I feel like if I'd have had kids, I would have had a much better outtake on like an outlook on that because your kids are going to screw up for the most part, their whole life, right? Maybe they're not screwing up every single day, but like throughout their entire life, they're going to continue to make mistakes. They're going to do things that you're not going to appreciate or that you're not going to agree with. And the more that I've, the longer that I've been surrounded by close friends and family with children that are growing of all different ages, I've been able to just from an outside perspective, develop a different personality or a different uh, perspective on that, where it's like, okay, look, if my kid screws up, I got to evaluate, is this actually like a big deal? Do I really need to like lose my cool over this? Or can I just kind of like take a step back and maybe just like chuckle, you know, like, dude, my, <laughs> my, my sister-in-law has a eight, eight year old son. Um, his name's Ross and the things that this kid does and the things that this kid says, I hear it from a, an uncle's perspective and all I can do is laugh my ass off. And it's like, it's the funniest thing ever. You know what I mean? But I I think about it from like a dad's point of view and I'm like, okay, would it be as funny as if I was his dad? And if the answer is, yeah, it would be just as funny if I was his dad, then it's like, okay, that's a scenario where I don't need to worry about like whooping a kid's ass or like yelling or screaming at him. Maybe just kind of like laugh with him and pull him off to the side and be like, Hey, look, dude, (laughs) don't do that again. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Pick pick your battles are huge, man. Uh, There's so many times where I've, I've found myself 
wanting to battle a lot. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't always step back and, and think of it like that. And maybe that's an area of opportunity for me to grow as a, you know, as a parent, but uh, Jen, she's really good at picking her battles. She picks her battles very strategically because she has more patience than I do. And I think that's why she's able to, you know, decide, you know, is this worth getting upset about? Is this worth a talk? Is this worth a spank? Right. What, what you know, she's good at evaluating. I'm right zero to a hundred. I'm immediately on them. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you do that? You know, <laughs> you're grounded. Give me do, that iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Does she, uh, she spends more time with the kids generally speaking on like a daily basis than you do, right? Um, yeah, I would say she does just because they spend more time, you know, either at my day job or in the shop. Luckily, you know, I get to work from home. So I do see the kids pretty frequent, uh, but she's doing more of like the hands-on uh, stuff with them daily. So, yeah. And, and that's the thing that I see a lot is, is the difficult thing to overcome for a lot of dads in particular is it not to say that it's easier, right? Cause it's difficult developing that level of patience, but it's just like anything, like the more time that you're around anyone or anything, the easier it is to manage those situations. And, you know, if, if that could be a reason why a lot of dads struggle to develop that patience at the same scale as their wives or their mom, like the kid's mom, because, you know, you and I, we grew up in a company where a lot of men went to work all day long. And a lot of the guys that we worked with had stay at home wives. You know, and I have the utmost respect and the highest respect for any stay at home mom, because anybody that wants to act like a stay at home mom doesn't do crap all day long. And they just sit on their ass and like watch soap operas needs to get smacked upside the head. Cause that, it's like, that is not what it is. And then when you incorporate women that have like full-time jobs, as well as being mom or single moms, you know, I, I was raised by a single mom raising three kids. Like it just gets overwhelming at times I can imagine. Right. But I think that's where a lot of men really struggle is that they don't have that same time with their children. And so it does kind of inherently create a different kind of relationship than they usually have with their mom. I mean, I don't, I don't know what your thought is on that. I agree. Um, I agree. And I, I, I go back to, you know, my injury on my hand. You know, I, I took about a year and a half. I was on, you know, uh, disability. I was unable to, you know, go back to work due to the multiple surgeries I was having. So I got to play the stay-at-home dad role for about a year and a half. And it is probably the hardest job I've ever had in my life. You think it's easy, you know, just be the, the cool dad that just lets the kids kind of just do what they want. And yeah, it, it isn't, you know, you're worrying about, you know, keeping the house clean when she gets home. That way she's not, you know, having to walk into a dirty home and have to clean it after working, you know, an, an eight or 10 hour shift what I found developed for me that was the positive was I got to build a relationship more with my kids because my daughter was just born, but she was born while I was on disability. So I got to spend like those precious oh, yeah. moments with her growing, you know, as a baby to, uh, you know, an infant to a toddler. And, and so we have a pretty special connection. That's awesome. So yeah, it, it's cool. My wife gets jealous about it because, you know, she wants that, that too, but, you know, she's, she, she's got, she's got our son. He's, he's kind of a mama's boy. And, you know, when he gets hurt or, you know, upset, he, he runs to her, she runs to me. Nice. So we kind of have each, each of us have our own, but you know, I, I love them both just the same, but uh, yeah, I, I, there's nothing I could take away from being a stay at home mom. 
you know, there was a time when short time where Jen had left her, her uh, job after 15 years, she just got tired of, you know, the, the politics there and, and left. And she did the stay at home mom thing for about six months. And it was, it was eye opening for her. She, that was the first time ever that she got to stay home daily. She loved it, but it was more work than I think she was ready for. Yeah. So she had to develop those, you know, more patience and more, you know, uh, care for that care for attitude than she had, you know, before that. Now she's kind of working part time. So she's close to home. She's literally works like a half a mile away from home. Nice. And she works like 30 hours a week for a dental company. And, and she, she's still pretty involved. Um, she's, she's pretty much a superwoman, man. Oh, she dude. does it all. Yeah. I mean, my sister and her two sons, the, the things that I know that my sister has to deal with on a daily basis, um, Liberty sister, Lorelai, her two kids. I mean, I, I <laughs> it's just one more reason why I'm glad I'm a guy. Like, I feel like men have it so much easier in this world than women do in so many different aspects. It's like unreal. <laughs> women are built to, to handle that better. So that's, that's, I think where we look at it is, as we look at women as, as like the superhero in that aspect. Yeah. When women were built to be more compassionate, to, to handle, you know, they, they handle childbirth, you know, could you imagine a man giving birth? I couldn't, I, I would, I'd die. I would die. Nah. So, no, nah, I mean, I've had, I've had cold, I've had a cold, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've had man colds all my life. It's yep. bad enough. So they're, they're built in a way to, to withstand those things that we look at as, as impossible tasks. You know, they, they handle it with just, you know, like nothing. Yeah. So. And you, um, if I remember right, when you had your accident and you lost your two fingers, that was a table saw, right? It was actually, a, it was a handsaw, not like a, a manual handsaw, but it was an electric handsaw. Um, it was a modified, I probably should have been using the tool because it, all the safety guards and stuff were taken off and I just got distracted while I was using it. And my son who happened to be, uh, in the room at the time who witnessed the entire accident, he was three. Oh, yeah, that was rough. And, uh, I was taking my focus off of what I was doing and the saw was still running in my hand, my right hand. and he came running into the room and you know how clumsy kids could be at that age. Um, I was trying to stop him from running into the room where I was working and I started drifting the saw close to what I was working on. And it hit, it like grabbed a piece of wood and it kicked it back towards my face. Oh, and my shoot. natural, rea- my natural reaction was to do this. Yeah. And you some... can see, you can see my hand right there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's messed up. So it, I went like that. It caught my glove and just, severed them right off oh, my man. Uh, artery, my wrist. I was, I was bleeding out right there on the floor. Like, and I never realized like how crazy the human body is. Like I was calm the entire time, zero pain. So my adrenaline was pumping so hard, which is yeah. probably why I was bleeding so fast. And, you know, I, the short time that I was a EMT for some years, about three years, you know, that all that, that training and stuff that you learn in class starts just coming back. It's like, okay, you've got an arterial bleed. We need to stop or slow the blood. So I basically fashioned a tourniquet 
jumped inside the bathtub so I didn't bleed all over my brand new floor. <laughs> I was worried about getting my floor dirty, right? And I called 911 and by the time I got downstairs, um, hanging up with 911, you know, the fire department was, was there. So that's awesome. Was, yeah. It, it's awesome that they got had, there that quick. Not, not awesome that you cut your fingers off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was fortunate enough that, you know, they live just down the street on the corner of, of a, of a major intersection where we, where we live. So, you know, that they, they happened to be in their, their quarters at the time they were, it was around dinner time. So they're probably eating dinner. I ruined that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that ruined your dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were really cool. And what's funny is um, about a year, a year later, um, my son was in preschool and they did a field trip to the fire department, fire station, that fire station. Really? And the crew, the crew that picked me up was on shift that day. Oh man, and that's crazy. I'm like, you look familiar. And he's like, yeah, you know, I work this shift and I'm like, do you, did you run a call on a house with a power socks and about a year ago, guy severed two fingers? He's like, yes, that was you. I'm like, yeah, that was me. He's like, let me see it. Let me see the hand. And he's like, I can't, I really can't believe you were able to like, like not die right there. Cause I mean, it was, if you'd have seen the blood loss, you'd have been like, there's no way, there's did no way ever, you were walking around. Did they ever tell you like, how much blood you had lost or like how close you came to maybe bleeding out or anything like that they never if they did um i don't i don't i don't remember because everything was everything from the time i got up to the injury to when i got to the hospital was clear as soon as i got to the hospital it was like i don't remember anything yeah i woke up and and surgery had been done i guess it had been 20 about 26 hours before they actually put me into surgery so oh, i basically laid there just on pain meds in a, in a hospital bed. But, uh, yeah, that it was, it's kind of a blur. Yeah. Kind of a blur. Would you, so what, uh, do you have any advice for anybody that does any kind of like power tool work at their house, like woodworking or anything like, Hey, have a first aid kit. That's like in your shop or in your garage, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah, I do. Um, there's actually a few things. Um, listen to your body. If you're tired, stop because mistakes happen and mistakes could be anything from cutting your material the wrong dimensions because you're not seeing clearly or you are tired and kind of forego some of your safety things that, that normally happen in your mind that tell you okay go slow pay attention you know those things kind of go away when you're when you're tired so listen to your body uh, have a tourniquet somewhere in the shop somewhere accessible and have it clearly marked because when it comes time to, you know, have to use it, your adrenaline, your adrenaline takes over and you don't always think clearly your mind's racing. So uh, first aid kit, tourniquet, clearly marked. Um, and just listen to your body is, is, is basically my, my advice. And I think if I had had those, those things in place, if I had just quit, because I was actually going to quit for the day about 30 minutes prior to that accident, I was like, I'm tired. Yeah. I can just finish it tomorrow. And it was like, it was that it happened to be the last cut I was making to finish the project. And I'm like, I'll just stick it out. And, and, and I paid for it. I paid for it with my hand. So I'm glad that it, I'm glad that everything turned out. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, obviously it was a major incident. And I remember when that happened too, like you, you, that's probably the only time I've ever actually seen you scared. 
You know what I mean? Like people get scared about stupid stuff all the time. Like you go to a haunted house on Halloween and you're like, Oh, I got scared. Um, but I think that's the first time I'd ever really seen any kind of like real fear come out of you after that incident. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things where you look back and you're like, you know, like you said, you know, you've been scared in your life, but have you been life-threatening scared? Have you possibly almost died? You know, that, I mean, that's, I look back and had I not had any of the training I had, you know, that could have been the end of me, but I will say I would not change what happened for anything. Um, it is, it has taught me a lot about, you know, safety and, and how to, how to deal with dealing with the PTSD was probably the most, the most I had to deal with. Um, cause there was times where I, I would have like panic attacks driving and I'd have to pull over cause I couldn't drive. I mean, it, it was scary. Like you think you're, you think you're having a heart attack, but those, those thoughts just flash through your mind. And, you know, it, I don't want to compare myself to the, you know, to like soldiers in Afghanistan that, that have to, you know, deal with PTSD on that level. But, you know, I understand the thoughts of, you know, of being in that state of mind all the time. It, it sucks. And it, it's, it's even more scary than the accident itself. Cause yeah. Cause the accident, on. the accident just happens, right? Like you, you can't, you don't have time to be scared because it just catches you off guard. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could see the, you know, the after effects of the truck, the, the, what people would say is the trauma afterwards, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I heard a quote the other day. It's interesting that you kind of said, you know, not to compare yourself to soldiers in the military, right? But I heard a quote somebody said, like, I wish I remember who it was, but they said, it doesn't matter, like, whatever the worst thing that's ever happened to somebody is, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. You know what I mean? Like, if someone is driving through a, if someone goes to Subway and they order a sandwich and they don't get the tomatoes on their sandwich that they asked for, and that just happens to be the worst thing that's ever happened to them in their life. It's an event that's like frustrating and, and they have all these different emotions, right? Versus somebody that has an, an accident or an experience like you, if that's the worst moment in your life, everybody has that worst moment, no matter what it is. And cause you know, you hear people like, gosh, how, how do you deal with having that incident and having that accident and losing your fingers and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of one of those moments, like, you know, you ever had like a really shitty ass day? Like where you freaking hate life. Like it's, <laughs> it's kind of what it's like. <laughs> yep. 100%. Maybe, maybe not a hundred percent similar to not getting your tomatoes on your sandwich, but like <laughs> you mentioned earlier, you grew up playing hockey. Um, and I happen to know a little bit of your hockey past, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk to everybody. What, uh, what's the final level of hockey that you were ever, ever able to play? So I got to play uh, some junior hockey, which if, if you break down levels, um, it would go like recreational, uh, high school, uh, juniors, juniors and college would be on like the same, same level, uh, except, you know, college, you'd be, you're, off, you're taking, you know, uh, classes and stuff to, to get your degree, but it would be the same cl- level of collegiate play you, in juniors, just with a little bit different rules, you know, you're allowed to, you're allowed to fight. The hitting is a little more intense. Uh, you're playing all over the world. So you play in different countries and like Canada, we played play a lot in Canada, um, mostly in the United States, but um, I, I played for uh, a couple of junior teams. So it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, you can consider juniors are considered kind of like a, at the semi pro level, yeah. you're not quite signing contracts to get, you know, 
the high dollar figures like like these you know nhl guys but um that's about that's about as far as i got and then i met, ended up meeting jen so um, i traded in my my hockey skates for uh, a wedding band yeah <laughs> and you know it was it was something that you know i considered doing eventually i didn't think it would happen that soon but i'm glad it did so it's, it's been the best decision I've ever made. You know, she's a great woman and it's hard to play. It's hard to play hockey because I want to play it at that competitive level all yeah. the time. And, you know, rec, rec leagues, you can't really do that. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. And then uh, I remember when you and I were working, um, you started getting into a little bit of mixed martial arts and what, what, motivated you to do that was it just you were trying to find a different way of working out and getting back into shape or were you just like man i really miss punching people in the face not at all it was actually neither uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where i've always wanted to have the life where if i wanted to do something i just did it and i didn't want to look back on life and go what did you do you know what are some cool things that i could tell my kids about that I did. I did that. And I think I enjoy, I don't want to, this might sound weird, but I enjoyed fighting. You know, I, I liked getting in fights in hockey. You know, I was, I was kind of more the enforcer. Um, I would be the guy that protected our better players from, you know, the more aggressive ones. So I, I could fight and I would watch UFC all the time. Like all the Saturdays, they'd have the pay-per-view events and, and, I always wanted to know what it felt like when that cage door shut and you're in there. It's just you and that other guy. Yeah. And only one guy is going to win. You know, I wanted that adrenaline. I wanted that, that competition. And I want to know what it felt like to, to cage fight. You know, I never, never thought I could do that. You know? So it's like one of those things where it's like a bucket list, checked it off, cage fighting, did it. Yeah. And I trained for, I trained for a while. Um, probably a good, uh, good year, year and a half for that fight. And, you know, it got canceled once on me and I didn't think I was going to do it. And my coach was, he was good, but he was kind of shady at the same time, you know, he'd show up to practice one week and then just wouldn't be there. So I'd be training alone, but, um, it was like one of those, one of those things where I look back and I'm glad I did it because it taught me a lot, um, taught me a lot about my body. Uh, cutting weight is a hard thing to do. And, you know, not that um, people at right, regular everyday people are going to be cutting weight, but, you know, weight loss is, is something on a lot of people's minds and, and how yeah. to do that safely is there's a right and a wrong way. And, you know, I've, I've figured out how to do both <laughs> the right and the wrong way. So yeah. uh, it's discipline and, you know, it teaches you life skills. You know, a lot of people don't think about fighting in their life, but are you prepared if that happens? You know, do you, are you going to? be ready to protect your family or, or, you know, your girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. And that's just something that, you know, if my son or daughter wants to start training, I would hundred percent support, you know, wrestling and, and jujitsu and kickboxing and Muay Thai, all that, that those are great foundational skills that, that teach you self-discipline. And I think everybody should, should have some type of self-discipline in their life. But it was like one of those things I wanted to do it. And, and I look back and I'm glad I did. Did you? I didn't did, go my way, but. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, wait, I still don't understand how that fight didn't go your way. Was that was that the one where the guy basically just like laid on top? He just like laid on top of you the entire time. Yeah, he he tried to. He, he didn't really do any. He didn't really hurt me at all, yeah. except for there was one time. So yeah, let me back up. Beginning of the fight, uh, he caught me with a really good shot, right, like right here on my cheek, and he almost knocked me out. Like the really? lights, the lights, the lights dimmed. Oh, and shoot. I fell back against the cage and. And, you know, the, the fight or flight syndrome, you know, kicked in and I, I grabbed onto him and I kind of just held onto him until I kind of gained my, my balance and my, you know, awareness back. And, and from then it was good. You know, and I, I focus a lot on my striking. I wanted to, I wanted to keep the fight to, on my feet because, you know, I feel like I was a better boxer, better uh, kickboxer than he was. And as soon as I, I kicked him in the head and he didn't like that and he took me down, he was a wrestler. Uh, so he kind of just took me down and I wrestled. So I kind of, I'm not like a beginner at that, but, um, he, he just kind of like stalled laid on top of me and stalled. And I was trying yeah. to do everything I could to get away. And he, I think it was first round, first or second round. He, he was able to somehow sink in. He was some, some kind of like choke and it was like seconds before the, the buzzer let out. And it was close there too. Um, I think I was just exhausted at that time. Um, my cardio wasn't as good as I thought it was. So I was kind of gassed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a lackluster fight, man. It, on my part, um, you know, I don't know what his training looked like. He had a really good coach. I mean, his coach was Jamie Varner, UFC. Really? Uh, yeah. UFC fighter. And so he didn't have slouches in his corner. So I just expected I expected a better, better outcome and a better fight on, on both our parts. So yeah. it just didn't happen. Yeah. I remember being at that fight. That was actually like a really fun night. Um, and so the reason that we titled this episode, or the reason that I'm titling this episode, the hematoma is because uh, I remember one day we were working together and you came into work and you, you were like limping into work and you might remember the story maybe even better than I do. But my version of the story is that you came in, you were limping and I was like, what's the matter, dude. And you've been training pretty hard at this point. Um, I think it was actually leading up to this fight and you came in, you were like, man, I just, I was training and just kept getting leg kicked, kept getting, get leg kicked, just kept getting leg kicked. And you're like, I think I, I think I got a hematoma on my thigh. And I was like, well, let's see. And you like show you like lift up your shorts or whatever. So you could see like just above your knee on the side of your thigh. And I was like, bro, get out of here. That's like a baby bruise underneath your leg. Like what freaking hematoma? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Dude, I was expecting to see some sort of like hunchback of Notre Dame, like lump on the side of your leg. That's making you limp across a parking lot. And I'm like, this kid's got a bruise on his leg. What is he bitching about? <laughs> so I do remember that. And you know, that actually, so to kind of backstory that, <laughs> that wasn't even in training that didn't even happen in training so like i i ended up throwing my wife a party at my buddy's house and people ended up like showing up like three times as many people showed up as we invited the party got kind of out of control and these i don't know who these guys were but they found out that like we were training for me and my brother were training for like uh mma and and i had a fight coming up and we were a little tipsy we'll say that and He's like, oh man, I could, I, I got a wicked leg kick. I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm like, I could, I could let you kick me as many times as you want, and I could walk away and laugh at you. 
And I let this guy freaking kick, like leg kick me. And it was cool, like the first 16 or 17 kicks. And then he got tired. But I didn't think anything of it until the next day, man. My, my leg, black and blue. And it's as silly as that sounds. And, you know, everybody does, does stupid stuff. But, you know, I, it, again, teaches you a lot about your body, you know, what you can handle. Yeah. And my leg couldn't handle that many. But, yeah. you know, it's like... <laughs> um, it, it ended up, I ended up having to get my leg drained, um, the blood in, in my thigh. Cause really? it just, it kept, yeah, it was, it was so painful. It was so painful. I had to like compression wrap it for uh, a good two weeks. Oh man. Didn't, yeah. uh, didn't Jen end up getting shirts made that had hematoma on them for that fight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're black and blue yeah. shirts, black and blue. Yep. It's hilarious. She's freaking awesome. Yeah. Walk out my walkout shirts, man. Yeah, dude, I remember all of us just sitting in the, in the crowd. We were all chanting, Hema, Toma, Hema, Toma. <laughs> That's funny. I remember that, man. That was that was a cool night, man. I'll never forget that. And it's it's one of those things where the night didn't go my way, but it was still a night that I enjoyed. And I'll never forget. So Yeah, and you're always going to be able to say, I know what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like. I was in the yeah. cage. They shut the door. Like, I know exactly what it feels like to be squared up against somebody and I have nowhere to go. Exactly. Um, yeah. What? Uh, oh, speaking of doing dumb things when you're uh, quote unquote tipsy. Have you seen those? Um, the like slap boxing championships that they have nowadays. Where like the dudes yeah. stand across the table, they like stand toe to toe. And instead of arm wrestling, they just take unprotected shots at slapping each other in the face as hard as they can i have seen that i've, I've actually crawled down many rabbit holes watching these yeah. idiots do this yeah, now they have the midget now they have the midget <laughs> ones too it's hilarious dude <laughs> <laughs> so they uh oh my God. i remember like when i was in when i was college age uh i don't know somewhere around 18 19 20 i may or may not uh i allegedly consumed alcohol at an uh illegal age allegedly but i remember being at a friend's house and and it was like the middle of the night dude and there were like a handful of us in the backyard and we were literally doing that we were so we were just so out of it that we were like let's go and we just square up in front of each other and let each other slap each other in the face i remember i did it until i kept doing it it was crazy man like you talk about learning what your body can take and what your body can't take and i found out i can take a punch and i can take a like i can take a slap pretty good um but I actually ended up having to stop because my hand started getting fucked up from hitting other people in the face. I was like, I was like, nah, dude, I'm, I'm out. This is hurting my hand more than it's hurting my face to get hit. So I was like, I'm done. That's funny. Yeah, I can't say I've ever ever done anything like that. So we kind of talked about it a little bit, but do you have any? Do you actually have any kind of like written down goals for deck one designs? Do you have anything that's like, um, that you're working towards? Yeah. So, yeah. So our, our next, our next goal that we're trying to hit is we're trying to get, we're trying to get to the point where we can start doing the paid advertising, yeah. uh, targeted paid advertising. Uh, we want to complete that within like the next year. Um, our, within the next five years, I want to have at least one employee. I have one guy working full time with nice. me. Um, and then, uh, have a bigger shop space within that same five-year plan. Um, my 10-year plan, I'd like to have a crew 
a crew of guys, you know, uh, doing, doing my installs and stuff, uh, along with, you know, doing a lot of cabinet building in, in the shop. And then my, my long-term plan, it would be basically not working and yeah. running, basically running the day-to-day the, operation. Yeah. That'd be awesome, man. So, yeah, I think it's just, it's one of those things, right? Like you just have to work towards it. I think sometimes too many people get wrapped up worrying about the end result and they forget about what it takes to get to the end result. And so I think what you're doing right now is good, right? You're just focusing on like, what do you need to do today? What do you need to do next year? What do you need to do a couple of years down the road? And then, I mean, I know you and, and I know Jen, um, if you guys want to make something happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. It, you know, fear is our biggest, our biggest enemy right now, you know, fear of, you know, is this going to succeed? Um, you know, if, if I left my day job, are we going to have the income coming in? You know, because the market, you know, of, of carpentry, I, I didn't suffer during the pandemic. I flourished. So when everybody else was shutting down shop, I was, I was writing more quotes than I have ever written. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at those times, I'm like, if I can just continue that trend, you know, I, I can... I can leave my day job and I can do this full time, but that, that voice in the back of your head goes, okay, well, what if, what if right. this happens? And, and now you're, you know, two months with, with no work. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's times where it's been, you know, two months before I write another quote or a month and it's, it, it makes you really like check. Is this, is this a risk you're willing to take? And if you can get past that, that the, the voices in the back of your head and, you know, I haven't really had any people aside from, I don't want to say my dad has kind of like discouraged me from wanting to do this full time because he's, he's of the mindset of, of like stability, yeah. knowing where your paycheck comes from, investing time in, in, you know, whatever career path you're in. So, you know, he, at the, at the young age of, you know, I think he was 21 when he first, you know, got on to be, you know, a, he was a sheriff's deputy at the time. You know, that's, that was the path that he took. And there were times where he was offered, you know, other, other positions to do other stuff. And, and he's like, nope, this is, I've got a family. This is what I'm focusing on. I can't risk not having stability. So um, aside from him, I think everybody's been pretty supportive with, you know, Hey, if there's anything you need, if you need help with this, you know, I'm here. I've been pretty blessed with that, you know? So I think right now, anything that's holding me back is, is my fear. Yeah. Let things go and, and just do it. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I just posted, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I put on my Instagram page the other day, fear. Uh, the only reason that we have fear is because of things that we don't know and because of things that we haven't done yet. Right. So, uh, I remember when I was younger, I had a, a fear of like, skateboarding, you know, can I skateboard? And then I started doing it. And then the longer I did it, the better I got, the more comfortable I got, the more tricks I learned how to do. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I don't have any fear of doing this anymore. Right. You start a new job and you're like, oh shit, like, I don't know anybody in this company. I'm kind of nervous to get into this. And then you spend time in there. You meet more people, you talk to people, you build relationships and there's no more fear. There's no more anxiety. Right. And I think for your case in particular, um, you know, you mentioned a minute ago about having a gap 
between writing quotes and having, you know, only one or two quotes that you're giving people over the course of a couple months. And I think what happens is that fear makes us look at things from a different perspective. And right now your perspective is, well, shit, I went a couple months and I only did one quote, but I look at it like you only did one quote in a couple months because you don't have the time to invest into your business. And it's more situational, right? So I look at it like, let's just say you quit your job today and you had nothing but time to put into your own business. All you would be doing is focusing on ways to generate quotes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think that's where fear gets in the way of people is because you have the fear of failure or maybe you don't have a fear of failure, but there's that fear of the unknown. And we let that drive our thoughts down a path that talks us out of doing different things. I know when I finally left Discount Tire, I had been wanting to get out of that company for years, years prior to that point. And I was afraid. I was afraid to go do something else. I didn't think I'd be able to find another job that I could have the stability or the constant paycheck. You know what I mean? I didn't think I'd have the ability to earn the type of money that I could potentially earn. And the day that I left was the most stress relief that I've ever had in my entire life. I had all this fear and anxiety of leaving this job and what's going to happen next. And the day that it was finally over and I knew I didn't have to go back anymore, it was the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And it was the least amount of stress I've ever experienced. And it was the first time in my entire life I had no weight on my shoulders anymore. And I, I sat in my house and I was like, I'm going to be fine. So for you, as your bud, as your friend, I would encourage you to have the same mindset that you had when you stepped in an octagon. You wanted to know what it felt like to step in a ring and have somebody close a cage and it just be you and one other person in there with nowhere to go. And I think you're at a point with your business where this is your opportunity. If you genuinely wanted to make that a business and you and Jen wanted to put all your effort into that, I think this is one of those moments where you can look at it and say, okay, do I want to go another year or another two years wondering what would it be right now if I had started a year ago or if I'd have started two years ago? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. And you know, yeah, leave the leaving is for me, that's probably the most stress. Uh, and then it would be, you know, the business, the, the stability of business, but you're hundred percent right. You know, having more time to focus on what you're doing, I mean, that's, that's like half the battle right there. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm putting in the hours now, you know, between 30 and 40 a week, uh, doing the, the woodworking on top of doing my, my normal day job. But what if I would double my woodworking time? You know, right. If I'm doing, if I'm already putting in, you know, between 70 and 80 hours a week, what could I do with that time? If I was doing just one task. Yeah. So you're hundred percent right. Yeah. We get in our own heads and we're so worried about the unknowns that the unknowns would keep us from being great. You know? Yeah. And, and ultimately like what's, what is one of my favorite things to do now is to break things down to what's the worst that could happen. And if you and your wife sat down one day and you literally just like talked about it, okay, what's the worst that could happen? I quit my job. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to have to figure out something else. I'm, I'm assuming health insurance comes out of you and your work. So you're yeah. going to have to figure out what I, I, we've got that figured out already. Yeah. So, so that's like, not even like the, the issue. Yeah. So then what would like, realistically, what's the worst that could happen? You know, the worst that could really ever be was 
okay, so it, the business doesn't work and I go back to work. Exactly. I go back to, you know, you know, if I, I'm a hundred percent certain that if I was to leave today, discount tire would welcome me back with open arms. I yeah. would leave on good terms. And, yeah. and they, you know, they've mentioned this because everybody I work with, they know I do this on the side and, and they, I'm sure they're just waiting for the day where I say, you know what, guys, this is it. You know, I want to do, I'm going to focus on this. And I'm going to go this route and I'm leaving discount tire. They're waiting for it. They don't know when it's going to happen, you know, because when I'm at work, I'm at work. I, I focus hundred percent. I don't, I don't do, I don't bring deck one into discount tire unless somebody asks a question or they want to see what I'm working on or, yeah. you know, we talk about it in conversation, but I don't do anything work related for deck one at discount tire. So I'm pretty committed with my position now. And, and I enjoy the people I work with. Uh, this is probably the happiest I've been at discount tire in a lot of years, a lot of years. So in that respect, it makes it difficult because now I'm like, I've got a good position. I've got people that I work with that actually enjoy yeah. uh, that are similar mindsets. I've got a great manager. You know, what more could I ask for if I was to stay put? So, yeah. It, well, I could think of one thing. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Owning your own business. That's true. Like making your own business the way, like scaling your business the way that you planned out. That's what you're missing out on. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. I'm not trying to like tell you to quit your job, but I'm telling you to quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, you know, if, if I was going to give you real advice, I would say, wait till the end of the year. So finish out this year, save up as much money as you can over the course of the last quarter, October, November, December, right? Get through Christmas, get through New Year's. And I would say beginning of 2022, walk away, walk away, give yourself the entire year, January to December of 2022 to really like focus all your time and energy on your own business. And I would venture to guess that after generously, I'm going to say after six months, you're probably going to be enjoying what you're doing so much more running your own business that you're not even going to consider stopping and going back to doing anything else. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, doing, working for yourself. I mean, there's, there's no greater joy to know that, you know, you're building something, you know, this is something that, you know, I, I never really thought about until, you know, my daughter really kind of was to the age where she could really talk and like be aware of like what I do. She said the other day, she's like, it's like, daddy, when you die, can I run your company? Oh man. See, I'm like, yeah. I, it, so it's like, how do I say no to that? Like, how do I, like, that is something that when she said that, she's like, I want to be, I want to be deck one. Dude, tugging at the heartstrings. I know. So it's, 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 she, she's really like, she, as little as she is, is pushing me to make decisions, you know, about, you know, the direction of the company that we want to take it. And, and, and it's something I do want. Like, I want to be able to hand that over to her and say, okay, this is, this is the business. This is how we run it. It's yours, you know, grow it even bigger. Yeah. Cause maybe her dreams are bigger than mine. Yeah. You know, she dream she dreams that maybe it would be awesome to have, you know, an IKEA size warehouse of right. like pieces that we make. Yeah. You know, that that a production factory. How cool would that be? I mean, that's those are like, you know, gr like grand goals, but you know, that that would be something that you know, maybe she could 
do in her lifetime. You know, I'm, I'm no spring chicken anymore. So you know, things are getting a little harder for me. And, you know, my body is, it's getting tired. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be yeah, but... 40 years old next year, man. I know, dude, you are getting old. <laughs> but, you know, realistically, you still have plenty of time. You know, you still have plenty of time where if you had to go back to doing like a normal nine to five job, like you'd always have that as an option. I think mm-hmm. for me, what it's been is, so I've, I changed my careers three years ago, or I changed careers three years ago and it was a shock to the system, but I look back at it now, man. And I'm like, it's the best decision I ever made. And why the F did it take me so long to make the damn decision? You know what I mean? Why didn't I do this five, 10, 15 years sooner? Um, you know, and there's a part of me that, again, I've said this in the past to a lot of people that I talk about this with, I don't think I'd be who I am right now if it wasn't for the time that I put in, in my, in my first career with discount tire. So I definitely am appreciative of that. And I, and I know that I'm in a place now because of what I've learned from there. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, I took a, I took a $75,000 a year pay cut to switch jobs and I went to work for a company that I just assumed everything would be okay, but there was no way for me to know that I was going to have the security that I was going to have at my previous job. And it is the best decision Mm -hmm. I've ever, best decision I've made to this point in my life. And I've spent now the last six months really researching and getting, you know, learning more about real estate, real estate investing, stuff like that. And, and the common theme that I'm learning from everybody that I've, you know, been watching or reading about is, is generational wealth. And how do you, how do you do something in your lifetime that sets your kids up to live a better life than you ever had? And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about before, you know, as a parent, your goal right now is to try to have your kids live a better life than you did and become a better person than what you were when you grew up, you know, and how nice would that be to one day be able to look at your daughter and say, here are the keys to the store. Yeah, you're right. hundred percent. Cause ultimately that's the only thing that's really fearful, right? It's like, how do I have money to like pay my electric bill and how do I have money to pay my own mortgage and all that other kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Cool. Profitability will come, you know, with, with just being smart with finances and, and pricing, I mean, pricing, it took me, gosh, it took me like two years to figure out my pricing. Yeah. Where do I need to be? Like, I know where everybody else is at, but are they too high? Are they too low? Or am I below market value? And, and there was times where I, I quote jobs and I look back after the job's done. I'm like, I shot myself in the foot on that one. That yeah, was not it. worth what I, what I charged. Yeah. So, but you learn from that, you know, those are things that help you grow as a business owner and, and, how many times has discount tire, you know, shot themselves in the foot over a wheel deal or a tire deal that had gone bad, you know, it cost us yeah. more money than what we made. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that was the theme, right? Like when we were growing up in the company, they didn't care about losses because they just, they, they referred to everything as marketing, right? I mean, they spent, they spent so much, so little money on actual marketing that anytime we had to do something where we made a mistake and gave something away, or we had to give something away to make a customer happy or do whatever it was that we had to do, they were just like, oh, screw it. Just chalk it up to marketing. Right. And if that person ends up mm-hmm. sending somebody else to go do business with us, then it's worth it at the end of the day. Exactly. And especially for you, you know, like you get repeat customers, right? How dude, it's 2021. It's fall of 2021. I guarantee you there's somebody sitting in their house somewhere in Arizona right now. That's like, man, I wish I had this one little like cabinet for my living room 
But come spring of 2023, they're like, ah, you know what? Like there's a new, more modern design out there. And I really wish I had this coffee table that like matched the new current styles that are out there. I mean, you have those people that keep coming back to you for business over and over again. There's always going to be a need for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and what's nice about the industry that I'm in is everything's adaptable. Like adapting with trends is just learning a new way to do it. Yeah. You know, right now there's, there's certain genres of, of furniture that I, that I'm really, really, really good at. And there's certain that I, I don't think I could probably pull off without, you know, some practice, but you know, as, as things develop and, and deck decor inside people's homes change, you know, you just learn to, you just, you have to be a student of your profession. You have to, you have to learn what the trends are, learn how yeah. to make that. So, you know, if you want to survive, you'll, you'll learn how to make it. So <laughs> I didn't wake up one day and go, I know how to do farmhouse furniture. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had to practice. So yeah, the, the barn doors that you make for the sliding barn doors for bedrooms and bathrooms and stuff. I think those are like the coolest things. Um, and then you did, um, I want to say like a, there was one dresser, I think that you made one time or like some sort of cabinet piece that looked like a dresser sort of, that was just awesome, dude. Like I've the stuff that you guys, that you make, in my opinion is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Barn doors, they seem to be a pretty big craze right now. Um, and one thing you know, I pride myself on is, is quality of the craftsmanship. I look at, I'm always shopping my competition. You know, how, how are they making their doors? And, and I know what they're charging, but are they giving the customer the same quality of what they're charging? Right. Or are they just marketing a, you know, a, a mediocre door at a higher price? And one thing that I pride myself on is, you know, I, I use the word Amish traditional joinery and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I try to use as little mechanical fasteners like screws and nails as little as possible because I want, I want what I make to last. You know, I, I had a client that uh, reached out to me and he's like, I want a table. I want a dining table. And he sent me a picture of what he wanted. And, and I asked him the question, I'm like, well, how long do you want this dining table to last? And he, he stepped back and he looked at me he's like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> I said, well, do you want a two-year dining table? Or do you want something that you can hand down to your son who's, you know, four when he's old enough to, you know, have his own house? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, I want that. I said, okay, well, you just went from, you know, a $1,000 dining table to a, a $4,000 dining table. Right. You know, we're going to use better material. We're going to use, you know, traditional joinery. We're going to use, you know, organic stains that, you know, can be color matched and, you know, fixed, you know, 60 years from now. So yeah, I, I've never made a piece that expensive before, but, you know, after it was all said and done, I mean, when he saw it, he was, he was floored, he was floored. It, it was probably the nicest dining table I've ever made. And nice. I, I used zero mechanical fasteners in it. It's all, you know, dowel joinery, tongue and groove, you know. That just That's you name awesome. it. I, I tried it all. And, and I'd never really made a table that way, but you know, it pushed me to, it pushed me to want to, you know, be the best I could be on that project because one, I'm charging him premium dollar for it. So he's getting a quality table and he's getting something that, that I I'm comfortable will last years and years and years to come. So you can definitely, uh, that one's on my, on my, uh, Instagram page. I do a lot of my marketing on Instagram. So it's at, at Declan designs. You guys want to check it out um i try to stay pretty active on that facebook i'm not so much but um 
I get a lot of traffic and, and I'm trying to grow that page to the point where, you know, I, I can start doing, you know, giveaways. I want to do some giveaways here, you know, in the next year. That'd be awesome. I want to give away a, a, a super like sick dining table or, you know, a coffee table or just something like that, that somebody would, needs or wants that may not have the budget to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Do you guys have a website too? Uh, websites under construction right now where we're, I'm in the process of having one made. I have okay. one. I'd rather not point you to it. Uh, Instagram is going to be a much better, much better way to go. Okay. So check that you guys out. On, you guys on TikTok? <laughs> no, you know, I've, I've asked, I've been asked a lot about that TikTok. I'm not quite sure how I feel about TikTok. It seems to be a, seems to be a younger crowd. And, you know, I don't know if maybe that's the right platform for our business, but I feel it's something that we want to explore a little more. Uh, I don't shoot a lot of video and a lot of people like to see things made, you know, they'll yeah. watch, you know, a table made from beginning to end. But uh, what I have been doing to kind of supplement some of that video aspect, I, ultimately I'd like to be a YouTube content creator, Yeah. but uh, conversation here shortly, but um, I would do uh, the Instagram stories and I would basically pin them. I don't know what you, uh, you put like a little, icon where people can go back and see it like a history yeah and i like if i'm making you a table i'll i'll film the different aspects of the table being made so you can kind of follow along with i got you the progression of of your tape your table being made yeah this is your table and you can see it how it starts as a pile of wood and ends up becoming you know something that you're going to have memories around so people yeah that'd be awesome that, so but i mean your wife's a photographer she is yes and she loves doing the video stuff where we where we kind of like fall short with that is the editing part you know i mentioned like wanting to do content creation um i enjoy teaching like i never really i never really thought i was a good teacher i guess because i never really like taught anything that i was like passionate about like at discount you know we teach guys how to do certain procedures and and i always struggle with like that coaching showing and maybe this wasn't my thing but you know having somebody in my shop that knows nothing about woodworking and showing them how to do certain tasks and watching that task like come together is something that like has sparked hey maybe i'm a decent teacher you know i was i was chalked it up as i'm just not a good teacher yeah so i just never really pushed myself to be you know in that direction of of showing somebody how to do something so i found out that you know i when i'm teaching something i'm passionate about and I can see the progression and I see that light bulb come on and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I, I can do this. You know, anyone can do woodworking. It's inside everybody. It's, do you want to learn how to do it? You know, yeah. because a lot I got from two different points of view. It's like, do you want to show somebody how to make a table or do you just want to charge them to make them a table? Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. Well, maybe there's a table that I'm not the right guy based on their budget to make that table for them, but I could show them how to do it in their budget. Yeah. So we could go that direction, but we'll film all this content. We'll fill, I'll have the, I'll have everything filmed, but I have no way to put it together. I'm not, I'm not like smart when it comes to like the tech stuff and editing and video production. So we've kind of just like steered away from the YouTube, which is probably a bad idea, but right now in our where i'm at in my career you know i don't know maybe that's the first employee that you hire is somebody to edit your videos for you 
so aside from that, how, how did you and Jen meet? I don't know if I ever asked you guys that. Yeah. <clears throat> so aside from her ruining your hockey career, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was, I was 18 and I was a senior in high school and that was the, the year that I was kind of waiting for. Cause I knew I was going to have like a half day. Right. So I played hockey at, 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 at that time it was called polar ice, it's easy ice now, but, um, it's on Peoria and 83rd Avenue. If you don't remember where that was at. Yeah. But. Yeah. I remember. And so every, every day at 1130, I would go to, um, uh, like an open hockey session that they had with my buddy, Gary, who went to a different school, but we played on the same high school team. We had like, uh, at that time, our school wasn't like big into hockey yet that the program had just like rolled out. So we had like three or four schools that were like put together to make one team. So he went to Barry Goldwater and we ended up becoming pretty tight friends. So we played hockey every day. I pick him up after I get out of school, we go to the rink and I'd walk in, I'd check in at the front counter. Well, Jen was the, like the manager at the time. And she'd be the one to like sign us in and give us our, you know, sticker to make sure we paid. And, and I'm like, Gary, I'm like, who is that? And oh, that's, that's Jen May. That's uh, Tim's girlfriend. I'm like, oh, Tim. All right. That sucks. Right. Cause I'm like, yeah. I liked him. I liked him. So I'm not going to like, you know, try to move in on his girl or anything, but. Um, so we, we get to see in there and she sees me, you know, every, every day come in and, one day we were standing like outside of the rink talking. It was me, Gary, and one other teammate. And we were getting ready to have a, a game in Flagstaff. And we were going up like two days early to go snowboarding before the game. Nice. So we all had like hotel rooms and stuff that we had booked. And I got this wild idea to just like invite her. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we're all going snowboarding. You should go with us. And she's like, yeah, okay. I don't freaking know you. <laughs> yeah all right okay so i'm like all right well she's not gonna go whatever so tim ends up going back home to i think he was in bakersfield he lived in bakersfield anyway he was out of town for like christmas and and uh, thanksgiving and me jen and gary ended up becoming like pretty close friends like we always hang out we go to like the movies we go out hang out with friends at, at uh, we always go to Applebee's like after hockey nice and we, we ended up becoming pretty tight and uh Gary knew how I felt about her and she gets this weird call from Tim who was coming back into town from from Christmas and he's like yeah you don't need to pick me up she's like okay why like that's weird she's like well like I ended up cheating on you with my ex-girlfriend so they broke up and oh, wow. I was like standing right next to her when I like, I'm hearing her side. I couldn't hear what he's saying, but I'm like, Oh, they're breaking up. Yes. Right. Like this is my yeah. time to like move in. Like now it's fair game. Like Charles, were, like Charles Barkley standing under the rim waiting for the rebound. Yep. And Tim and I were cool. We weren't like buddies or anything like best buds, but we were cool. We were like acquaintances. So the girlfriend rule didn't really apply. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you were so, close enough where you weren't going to try and steal his girlfriend from him, but not close enough to not try to talk to her after they broke up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I didn't want to be the guy to, you know, to, to move in and, and like disrupt that. So 
Uh, I was respectful in that regard. But as soon as she hung up, she's, I'm like, well, what happened? She's like, well, Tim and I broke up. And she like, wasn't even upset about it. Like you, she didn't yeah. do the whole like breakup. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, so where does that leave you and I? And she's like, well, uh, I guess I'm available. I'm yeah. like, well, let's, let's date. And she's like, okay. So like, that was it. That's how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so we, just, we started dating. Nice. And right place at the right time. Exactly. Exactly. So finally I graduated school in May. Uh, I ended up, so from May, no, let me back up. So from November of 2000 to May of 2001, we were, we were kind of like dating like together. Okay. And then I, I proposed to her on the day of my graduation. The oh, day I graduated high school. Yeah. I went dang. out like the week before I picked out a ring. Uh, one of my good buddies was home from the military on leave and he was with me. He took me to go, you know, pick out the ring and everything. And, and I proposed to her on my, my graduation day and we ended up getting married that following December. Nice. That happened quick, dude. Yeah. Well, when you find the right one, man, you just, you got to hang on because, you know, at the time I was, I had the opportunity to go play hockey in, in uh, Canada and she wasn't going to go. Yeah. She's like, I can't, I can't just leave and go to Canada. Yeah. I'm like, well, I can't risk you finding somebody else while yeah. I'm gone. Right. And so I just like, that's when I basically turned in the skates and asked her to marry me. And that was it. I didn't look back and I don't regret it. It's like one of those things where you could look back and go, you know, what if, what if I was like, great. What if I'd have made it to the NHL? What if? Yeah. I, I found what made me truly happy. Yeah. And that's awesome. That, so. Yeah, I'll say, you know, I think one of the tough things about the the discount tire culture is you spend so much time working with these guys. Like when, you know, you and I are working together five days a week, you start to really build like a tight relationship. And then it always seems like you, you get transferred out of a store and you go work at a different store. And then you just start losing those connections, you know, with people that you kind of grew tight with. Um, and that was always something that was I guess sad, but you kind of got over it like real quick at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I know like me personally, I am so grateful that I've been able to stay in contact with you and with Jen over the years. I know, you know, we're not as close of friends as I'm sure you have and that I have on my end, but I appreciate the friendship that we have and the fact that like two years can go by and we haven't said a word to each other and it's pick up the phone and it's like, Hey, remember that one time I was giving you shit about having a yep. bum leg? <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, those are the friendships that I cherish the most where you can, like you said, just, just after not speaking for so long, just pick up right where you left off. Like, yeah. like nothing was ever different. And, you know, I've, I've got a few people like that in my life. Um, you know, honestly, man, I, I don't, I don't have as many friends as, as I did when I was younger. And I think that's by design because, you know, my life doesn't always revolve around, you know, hanging out and doing other stuff. But I have, I have those core people that, that I know, no matter what, I can always call them. We're always going to be cool, you know, and, and we always enjoy talking no matter how long of time it's been between or how short it's been. It's, it's just yeah. a great time to, so you're definitely one of those, one of those. So no, I appreciate it, man. And I, I feel the same way about you. Um, 
the next time we come out to Arizona, I'm going to make sure that we, we get together, go get some dinner somewhere. Yeah. I guess you can bring your wife along. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me today. Again, anybody that's listening, uh, check out his Instagram page at deck one designs and that's D E C the number one designs. Correct. Um, he's got all kinds of photos and videos on there of stuff that he can make, uh, reach out to him. I would love for you to have too many phone calls coming in that you could, that you can't answer all of them. (laughs) I think it'd be awesome for you guys. Um, before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity. Uh, this is something that I've thought about with some of the other people that I've talked to and I never took advantage of it. And I'm going to use you as a guinea pig, Okay. but before we get off of this, uh, is there any message that you have for your children that you just want them to hear from their dad? You know, this is, this isn't going to go away. This is something that you can always save for the rest of your life. And it's something that you can save for the rest of your kid's life. But is there anything that you want to say to your, to your kids that you maybe haven't said to them? Probably I would say I'll leave them with this message. Dream bigger than I did when it comes to what you want to do with your life. Don't let, don't let fear determine what you're going to do with your life. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about that, you know, what fear can do. Um, you know, kids are pretty fearless at their age. So if they can learn how to overcome fear and keep that, that drive to move forward and be better than their parents were, that's, that's the goal. Just be better than I was and don't let fear dictate what you become in life. I love it. I love it. I think that's awesome, man. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday to come and talk to me. It's been just about two hours now. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can do this again. Um, maybe next time we'll be doing it while we're drinking a beer in Arizona together or something. There you go. I'm down. All right, Mike. Well, Mike Wilson, Deck One Designs. Thanks again so much for everybody that's listening. And uh, until next time. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Later.